If you hate anxiety and want to learn what you can do to get rid of it, then you're in the right place. My name is Larry Quicksall, a mental health therapist with 30 plus years in the field. I have spent the past decade specializing in helping those with severe anxiety disorders, and today I'm bringing my knowledge, insight, and experience to this podcast. My goal is simple, to help you escape the pain and frustration of anxiety so you can better enjoy your life. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Today, I want to talk about the topic of intimacy, not necessarily sexuality, but that can definitely be a part of it. But what I want to talk about is the idea of intimacy, uh, which is a closeness, a connection on different levels to people or activities, and how with anxiety we can have a loss of intimacy. Actually, as I look to uh, a copy sitting here of the PCL5, which is the post-traumatic stress checklist based on the DSM-5 criteria, there are three questions that always jump out to me as having a, a reflecting a person's intimacy. And uh, if you're familiar with this, maybe from therapy or, or what have you, there's, there's 20 questions. And uh, questions 12, 13, and 14 address this. And they are loss of interest in activities that you used to enjoy, feeling distant or cut off from other people, And then finally, trouble experiencing positive feelings, such as being unable to feel happiness or having loving feelings for people close to you. So why does this happen with anxiety disorders or in this particular case with this form with like post-traumatic stress? Well, I think there's a, a bit of a chain reaction of how things go in sequence. Now, this isn't to say it's the only way but it's one of the ways that it happens for a lot of people. And it starts with this idea. Anxiety is rooted in fear. Okay? I think we would all probably agree with that. There is some level of fear that is involved uh, with anxiety. I mean, it's, it's the fight or flight because you're afraid of something bad is going to happen. So it starts there. So that's number one. Number two is, Fear requires protection. If we have something we are afraid of, we need some means of protection. And so you could you can go back to the idea of fight or flight. Sometimes that protection is based on the idea of fight. You will defend yourself. You will uh, ward off whatever it is that you perceive as a danger. This is why anger, is a response to fear. A lot of times people will say, well, no, I'm not afraid. I'm just angry. Well, what are you angry about? And as we kind of work through that, you find the roots of anger is is firmly planted in fear. So the idea that fear requires protection, sometimes it's that fighting type, and sometimes it is the fleeing type. Uh, You can defend yourself 
with a sword and a shield, or you can defend yourself by going into the fort behind the protective walls, isolating you from what you believe is danger. So we start with anxiety is rooted in fear, and fear requires protection. Number three, there's a natural tendency with anxiety to overgeneralize. This is where we take what is an possibly an isolated situation, either isolated to the circumstances or isolated to the people involved or isolated to the time frame in which it occurred, and we generalize it outside of those boundaries. It's, uh, it's kind of like if you have a cup of coffee and you are a cup and you're filling it with coffee. Well, there's, there's a point at which you need to stop filling the cup. Uh, for me, it's at least three quarters of an inch down from the rim. Then I can carry it. I can maneuver it safely without spilling. But now imagine if I just keep filling the cup and it overflows the cup. Now it either fill, starts filling up the saucer which that's kind of like probably what the purpose of a saucer is to catch it, or it goes onto the table or the counter or spills onto the floor, whatever you know that situation is. But when it leaves the boundaries of the cup, it starts causing problems, doesn't it? Well, that's what happens whenever anxiety leaves the boundary of the circumstances that it's, that it's uh, applied to, and it starts going into other areas. It starts being generalized so that a person may believe that all crowds are dangerous. All situations are, are, are bad. All people are untrustworthy. All this, all that. See how that overgeneralizing works? We're trying to protect ourselves, so we overgeneralize to make this big margin between us and where that fear actually sits. And so we overgeneralize when it comes to intimacy, we overgeneralize this fear to people. And it may be a full overgeneralization to all people, or it may be just to certain groups or certain factions or certain levels of uh, connection. But we overgeneralize the fear to people. Now, number four is because now we have expanded the fear, we start reducing or cutting off intimacy as a means of protection. We start cutting off the connections that we have. And intimacy can be described in a variety of different ways. There's different types of intimacy. Again, in our society here in the United States, there's it's very frequently used as a, um, a metaphor for sex, for uh, sexuality, that that's, that's intimacy. Well, no, there's, that's just one type. Sexual intimacy is a type of intimacy. And so depending upon what a person is fearful of, that may start, you know, result in the reducing of sexual intimacy. But there's other types. There's, uh, you could say, a friendship intimacy, a relationship intimacy. There's also financial intimacy. 
the you know financial intimacy yeah when if you are um if you're you know married or with a partner and you share finances well you may not be comfortable sharing that because of a fear of criticism or a fear of mockery or a fear of uh, feeling insignificant to the amount of money brought into the household. So there's there's financial intimacy. There's, of course, emotional intimacy, where the fear is tied to uh, being criticized, uh, put down, uh, made fun of. So, you know, that's a type of intimacy. Spiritual intimacy that ties into matters of faith and belief in God. Uh, so there's, and that's not all of them, but but you get the idea. There's different types of intimacy. So what happens in number four is we reduce or cut off intimacy for protection. So we start pulling back. We start withdrawing. We don't share on those topics, and in some cases, any topic, because it ties into this, this fear that is expanded into more and more people. So what happens, number five, when there is a reduction or a decrease in intimacy, that results in a decrease of positive emotions. You see, you're having to cut off levels of relationship or all relationship, all connection, because of fear, because of a perceived fear that may not apply. It may not apply. If somebody was uh, tragically and uh, uh, traumatically raped, the rape was completed by, you know, in, in an example, by one person. But the overgeneralization may apply it to all men, as an example. Well, did all men commit the rape? No, but the beliefs, the stuck points start being developed that, you know, either all men are rapists or all men could be rapists, or I can't tell because I can't trust my own judgment because I thought this person was safe and they weren't. And so now I'm building up, I don't trust myself. So if I can't trust my own determination about that, my own evaluation, then I can't trust myself with any male. And so what happens is by focusing so much on the negative, well, we start having a decrease in positive emotions. So decrease in intimacy results in decrease of positive emotions. And then finally, number six, because positive emotions allows for connections and bonding, we now start losing that. You see, why do you do the things that you do? It's because you like them. You know, why do you have certain hobbies and don't have other hobbies? Well, the hobbies that you have, they produce some positive emotions, so you keep doing them. And the, and the hobbies you don't do, that you've chosen not to, it's probably because you don't get a positive emotion from them, or you get a negative emotion. That's just a natural process. But now if we take away a person's ability to connect and bond, 
if we take away the po- I'm sorry, if we take away the positive emotions due to this kind of chain reaction sequence I've been describing, then guess what? We're not going to have that glue that allows us to bond to different things. Again, going back to that D- uh, the uh, PCL sheet I was describing earlier, loss of interest in activities that you used to enjoy. That's number uh, 12. Number 13, feeling distant or cut off from other people. Number 14, trouble experiencing positive feelings. So intimacy, it's a pretty important thing. It's a pretty important thing for healthy living. And anxiety can truly rob us of that. So if you're finding that in your life, if you find that you are not experiencing positive emotions, or you're not able to have intimacy in different levels with people, this would probably be a good thing to address with a licensed therapist that is familiar with treating anxiety disorders and specifically the consequences of living with long-term anxiety. Uh, Don't sit there and just think this is going to go away. It doesn't go away magically. You have to, and it doesn't pass with time either. It can definitely get worse over time. But effective treatment following something like cognitive processing therapy can definitely help you in this area. All right, that's it for today. Hope this was helpful, and we will catch you next time right here on the I Hate Anxiety podcast. Have a great day. The I Hate Anxiety podcast is for educational purposes only. And while I am a therapist, this podcast is not counseling or therapy. If you need counseling or therapy, seek out the services of a licensed professional in your area. And if you are in crisis, call the Crisis Call Center at 1-800-273-8255 or dial 911 or your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency room.